Hey, this is Bike Talk, and we're first going to hear about, or we're going to hear something that I found, I just wandered in on Cyclovia Day, which was April 15th here in L.A., when about nine miles of city streets are closed off for bikes and pedestrians. I wandered into Orange 20 Bikes, and who was there but the bike snob, and he was talking about his new book. Okay, so... Okay, so just to get started, before I get started, I'm just going to tell you a little bit, a little bit about the book because uh, I hope, hopefully, you'll buy the book and read it. So by telling you about it, will you know, it's kind of a waste of time. But just, just to tell you what it's about a little bit, if you're on the fence, this book is about commuting. It's about practical cycling. It's not about racing or any of that stuff. Um, I love that stuff, I do that stuff, that stuff's a lot of fun, a lot of us do, but it's particularly about the state of mind of commuting, because I think that's the most interesting aspect of cycling right now, it's the most dynamic aspect, it's the one that's potentially useful to the most amount of people. I personally would like to see cycling go mainstream, totally mainstream as a form of transportation. Uh, so the book is about commuting, but it's also about commuting in general. Because whether you commute by bike or by car or by bus or however you do it, for most of us, um, our commute is the last savage frontier of our lives. It's the last primal state of being that we experience. Unless you're, you're maybe a surgeon or a, a firefighter or a soldier or something like that, chances are, in the course of your day, you're completely detached from anything violent or, or visceral, right? You're probably sitting on the computer all day or something like that. Um, you're home, you have a roof over your head, you probably get your food from a store, you don't have to kill anything to eat it, all of that stuff. The commute, however... This is the one little area of our day in which we might actually just get into a fight with a complete stranger, an altercation, a verbal fight, or a physical fight. This is not that unusual when commuting. This is also the one area of your life, again, unless you have one of those professions I mentioned, it's one of the only areas in your life in which you're, you're exposed to, to um, injury and death, death is a regular part of commuting. It's not unusual. If you ride a bike, if you commute by bike, certainly you're well aware of how vulnerable you are, and you may have you know, had something happen to you or know somebody who something happened to. But forget the bike, even if you just drive. Death is a huge part of driving. If you're sitting on the freeway in traffic and you're wondering what the holdup is and you turn on the traffic report and you hear there's an accident, you're just like, great, i got to sit here for another half hour. Somebody's probably dead or maimed in a pool of blood, and we just think it's another inconvenience on the way to work. So I think that's why commuting's a, it's a fascinating thing. It's this last area of just madness. So that's what the book is about, hopefully in a funny way. It's about the weird mindset we have when we do it and how maybe we can make it better. So that's, that's the book. Um, but what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk about what we need as cyclists to make the world, our cities, our country, better for us. 
Now, I'm sure you feel, I, I go from city to city, and every city has a different level of bicycle friendliness. You know, you have Madison, and you have Portland, and then you have places that are a lot less friendly. But even in the cities that are most famously, for, what? Minneapolis. Madison was a nicer place to ride a bike than Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. Madison was like cotton candy. Breeze. Uh, anyway, um, I'm sure you guys feel, I'm sure this is one of these places where you feel you need more, much, much more. Do you feel like a second-class citizen sometimes when you ride your bike around here? Yes? Not enough bike lanes, stupid and considerate drivers, all of that stuff. A city that's that's built like as though the bicycle were never invented. Yes? Okay. How do we make this better? How do we get all this stuff that we want? How do we get all that stuff they have in Minneapolis that makes it such a wonderful place to ride a bike? Well, to answer that question, we have to look at how do we get, how do things happen in our culture, in our country now? How do things happen? How do you wield power? How do you make things happen for you? Well, there are certain, this is going to get very heavy intellectual. I don't know if people in this part of the country are ready to, to think this hard. But uh, what affects change in our country, in our world today? Well, one new but powerful force is... Ah, oh, I'm late. I'm late. No, not my book. There we go. Social media, right? Social media is a very powerful tool, right? That Arab Spring thing, which I, I heard about, I don't know that much about it, but right, Facebooking and tweeting your way to revolution, toppling governments, un unprecedented speed and communication and organization, information, it just you can't stop information, right? Information is power. Sharing information is power. Social networking is power, right? It has changed governments at this point. So logically, we can use social networking, social media, blogs, very important, arguably the most important form of media in our culture right now. We can use these things to get revolution, to get what we want, right? No, 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 no. You can do it, maybe Maybe it worked in the Middle East. That's not going to work for us. It's not, because we're just going to use it, and we are using it at the absolute dumbest level. Like my blog with pictures of naked ladies on recumbents and people tweeting about where they rode today and look at my pretty new thing that I bought. That's social networking in this country for cycling. So let's scratch that. It's not going to work. Let's cross that off our list of tools to get what we want. Money. Money. Now that's an evergreen. That's, oop, that's rolls of change. Uh, money, now we're talking, right? Money is power in this country, is it not? Maybe the most powerful force of change in this country. If you have money, you get what you want. You can influence politicians, you can uh, grease palms, you can lobby, all of that stuff. So, can we use money to get what we want? Well, 
there is money in cycling. There is a cycling industry. You're 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 standing among uh, a facet of the cycling industry. How much money is there in cycling? How powerful? How big a business is cycling? Well, according to uh, cursory research I did in a matter of about five minutes before getting on the plane from New York, um, I have uh, apparently. U.S. cycling industry revenues of six billion dollars in 2010. Six billion dollars a year. Incidentally, of that, if you're wondering how that six billion breaks down, four billion of those dollars was spent on carbon frame replacement, broken carbon frame replacement. The other two billion just miscellaneous upgrades. Anyway, so. Cycling is a six billion dollar a year industry, so you can we could throw a little weight around, right? We got a little uh, we got a little lobby behind us, right? Not not exactly, because let's look at who's ahead of us in line in the in the palm greasing department. You have the auto industry. Ford Motors alone is one hundred twenty-eight billion. That's just Ford. That's not counting the other ones. So 128 billion is a lot more than 6 billion. It's like, I don't know, twice as much as 6 billion or something like that. And then you multiply it by all the other car companies, you got, I, you got a lot of money. So they're ahead of us in line. Who else is ahead of us in line? Pharmaceutical industry. This is another giant that's $315 billion. And we know they get things done. They want a drug legal. They can work, they can make it legal. They want another drug illegal so they can sell you something else. Uh, they can do it, all right? So we're behind them. And then, maybe, arguably, everyone is behind oil. That's the big, big one. That's $1.9 trillion. And a trillion is $2 billion. So it's like a lot. Um, when you have a $1.9 trillion business behind you, you can dump oil on anything you want. You can drench you can drench the sad little pelicans. If you're walking your dog down the street and some oil company get they can just get out of a car with a drum of oil and look at your cute little dog and glug 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 pour oil all over your dog and give you the finger and go. That's they can do anything they want. They can invade you know war I don't have to I don't have to go through all of this. So they're up here, we're down here. So I don't think the money is going to work for us either. So may, you may think at this point, well, we're screwed, we're going to stay second-class citizens, we've exhausted our, all our avenues, right? Well, there's one other very powerful force in this country. Of, where I, cool, cool your uh, Minneapolis jets over there. All right, one other very powerful force that allows you to uh, exert influence far beyond your numbers or your wealth. Um, would anybody, this is your moment to shine, would anybody care to guess what this other force of change in this country is? Minneapolis? What is it? No. Good try. Yes. PowerPoint, no. That's social networking. 
One more try. Sex. No. All right. Hey, just stop. Uh, religion. Religion. Religion is very, very powerful in this country, is it not? If you are... This country is founded on a principle of religious freedom, which means that we have to indulge every wacky religion out there. In practice, there's discrimination against certain religious groups, but for the most part, you have to accept all religious groups. Moreover, certain religious groups are extremely powerful, extremely powerful. And the fact of the matter is, like it or not, in this country, if you don't, if you don't profess a religion, believe in a religion, you are not going to achieve a position of power politically. In our lifetime, I would be willing to bet that we will not have a president who openly says, religion, that's, that's superstition, I don't believe in God. It's not going to happen. Do we agree that religion is powerful in this country? Okay. So that's why I'm saying what we do is we start our own religion. You're with phone, telephone. We start our own religion. We become a religious group. Now, why should we do this? There are three principal benefits to becoming a religious order, a religious order of cyclists. These are, number one, generous tax breaks. I'm not an accountant. I can't run down for you. I can't line by line, dollar for dollar, what these are, but... Religion is exempt from a lot of taxes in this country. They get a free ride by virtue of their status as religions. We can get on, in on this. If we become a religion, then we can take these tax breaks. We could have a big place like this, and we wouldn't have to pay sales tax or real estate tax, and we could have peyote rituals in the basement and freakouts and do whatever we want. That's number one, the tax breaks. Number two... I don't know how it is here in L.A. In New York and in a lot of other places, if you're riding your bike and somebody hits you with their car, even if they're totally at fault, even if they ran a stop sign or ran a light or had a suspended license or no license, they are not going to get in trouble. They're not going to get in trouble. And what you wind up doing is dealing with some insurance company and dealing with lawyers and trying to get money to get your bike, if you're lucky enough to be alive. All a driver has to say is, well, I didn't see him, he came out of nowhere. <laughs> Stupid cyclists, they're crazy. That's it. That's where your life stands. If, however, you're a member of a religious group, then you get to play the hate crime card. There are serious laws in this country against hate crimes. They take that stuff seriously in the local, state, federal level. Can't commit a hate crime. So you're part of a cycling religion. You're a religious devotee. This is your culture. This is your way of life. Someone runs into you with your car, with their car. They've committed a hate crime. Much, much. That's not a. That's not a 20-minute call to Geico. That's serious business. All right. So that's number two. And number three, probably the best for us is. You're a member of religion. You can be as completely crazy as you want. And we need this. We need license to be crazy because we are crazy. We're crazy. Look around you. Look at the clothes everybody's wearing. Look at the scene outside. It's, we're a laughing stock, okay? And it's okay. We're a bunch of freaks. 
That's what religion is too. It's freaks. It's a license to be a freak. If you're a religious person, I'm not trying to impugn your religion or anything like that. But no matter what, you got to admit, religion's crazy. If you're a religious person, if you're genuinely a religious person, you may not admit it. But you have to be thinking in your head, I've got the direct line upstairs and these other religions, they're crazy. What are they thinking? They're going to burn in hell. What's wrong with them? And if you're not religious, you just think they're all crazy. So they're crazy. We're crazy. We want the tax breaks. We want the hate, the hate crime status. So let's do this thing. Yes? Are you with me? Even flirting with the idea so far? Yes? Great. We can become very powerful if we do this. There's just one little problem, which is that you can't just say you're a religious group and expect to get accepted, expect to file, you, you know, get the exemptions and stuff. And this is hard. It's going to be hard for cyclists to understand because a lot of us, we don't like to pay our dues. We think we discovered cycling two months ago. We got the right bike and we got the right clothes and suddenly we're the real deal. You know, we got a few friends we like to drink beer with. We all made the same kit. Now we're a cycling team. Give me the 10% discount at the shop. You know, we like to buy our way into crap. You can't do that with religion. Some of these religions have really paid their dues. Thousands upon thousands of years. Genocides. We can't play the genocide card. We don't, we've, we've, we've had some hard times, but what, a hundred years of, of getting bored or something like that? That doesn't compare to what a lot of these groups have been through. So we can't just say we're going to be a religion. What we have to do is find a religion that we can piggyback on, wheel suck off of, if you will. Problem with that is the big three religions, I don't think any of them are going to have us, and I can't blame them. Uh, however, I do happen to know of a smaller grassroots religion that is currently proselytizing that would probably have us. If you read my blog, you may know that I'm a religious person. I worship a lobster deity. Laugh at me if you want. Laugh at my faith and all I hold dear in my way of life. Mock. Go ahead. Mock. It's not something I made up for the blog. This is serious. I seriously worship this deity. My parents, their parents, generations upon generations of us have worshipped this faith. Like so many other oppressed peoples, we came here from the old country to escape persecution, and we found freedom. We found success. We found all of these things. We found the American dream. Incidentally, if you're wondering what old country the uh, lobsterites came from, it's just a place called the old country. It's a country called the old country. This picture was taken six years ago in the old country. What I'm saying is, I think I can talk to the elders and get us in. And then we can get all the other stuff. And to be honest with you, I'm going to take the light off more. This religion is so easy. You can do anything you want. You can be depraved. You can look at pornography. You can be of any sexual orientation. Anything you dream of, you can do in this religion. But we're very devout when it comes to our dietary restrictions. If you can hang with our dietary restrictions, you're in. You're in. And that's it. I'm just going to do a quick run through of the dietary restrictions. Number one, you cannot eat endangered species. Is this a problem for anybody? 
Anybody eating endangered species? It's on the list of endangered species you can't eat it. That's number one. Number two, good uh, news for the cheese eaters. You can eat cheese. However, you cannot eat Kasu Marzu cheese. Do you know what this is? This is that cheese that has live larvae in it. I know you're moaning because you're like, oh, I can't live without my maggot cheese. You're going to have to do it. And look, I know it's delicious. I, this, is the, this is the hottest artisanal cheese right now, by the way. And I know you're going to miss it. I know you're going to miss the feeling of the maggots writhing when you take that bite and then the, the little pop when you bite in and the juice spurting in your mouth. You're going to have to give that up. Can you give that up, do you think? Yeah, okay, that's good. And then uh, there's only one more, which is you can't eat any food that's used uh, in conjunction with the marketing of a major motion picture. It's not a McDonald's, Sex in the City, Big Mac deals, whatever they have. That's it, okay? That's it. That's all you have to do in this religion. Okay. Last part here, though. If we do become a religion, I think we should take the extra step of making a few more rules for ourselves. Just a few. I think as people who ride bikes, there's certain behavior we should extirpate from our little garden that will make us much happier as cyclists. I really think so. I don't know, riding around here apart from this, I don't see that many people just riding bikes to get around. So these none of these behaviors may be on exhibition here. You can tell me if they are or if they aren't. If you've never seen any of this stuff, consider this uh, sort of my, my uh, your window into, into cities where people actually ride bikes, okay? So, number one behavior I think that we should uh, uh, ban is what I call shoaling. Does anybody know what this is? Okay. If you don't know what it is, shoaling. So you're at a red light, you roll up to a red light, you stop, and then somebody else on a bike comes and they roll in front of you and stop. And then another person rolls and stops in front of them. We're up to three people now, so three people on a bike at a red light at the same time around here, you've probably never seen that before. But it, or do, does this happen, where someone just rolls up in front of you? It happened to me on the way here, but it might have just been because of this thing. I got shoaled, like two or three people lined up in front of me, and then uh, the light changed, and then they, then they went on the sidewalk. <laughs> but there's no other area of life in which it's acceptable to just cut in front of people online. You don't do it. You don't cut in front of somebody at an ATM. If you're using a urinal, have you ever had somebody while you're at the urinal just kind of like, let me, let me just squeeze in here for a second, get in on this. You don't do it. So don't do it on a bike. Don't roll up in front of people and stop in front of them. So no shoaling. That's number one. Number two is racing, racing. I'm not, you can't really see the picture, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about racing where you sign up to be in a race and other people sign up to be in a race and you line up at the same time as acknowledged participants and adversaries. I'm talking about taking a complete stranger and making them, uh, and involving them in your stupid delusional fantasy. <laughs> racing complete strangers on your commute. Does this happen a lot here? Have you ever been raced? Just don't do that. The way, I don't know how it manifests itself here, but the way it manifests itself where I live is that any place that goes up even slightly, and that's usually the bridges, you're getting on the bridge, and then you hear behind you, you hear the sound of someone just sitting right on your wheel. You hear the breathing, you hear the attempts to shift, but the, the bike's a piece of crap, so the gear's not engaging, and it's a grinding. And you're like, somebody is sitting on my wheel. Someone wants a race. 
And you don't want to turn around because once you do, a social contract has been signed. You don't want to sign this contract. So you try to ignore them and you hear them back there. You hear them and finally you're like, I have to look at this disaster of a person. And you turn around and you look and they, they catch your eye and it's on. That's it. Once they look at you, it's on. Then they attack and they go and they're halfway up the hill. Then they, you're like, good, goodbye, thank you, leave me alone. And then they blow up and they're weaving and you have to go around them again. And the whole thing is just so pathetic. So just don't race people. Go as fast as you want. If you pass people, fine. But can you do that? What do you think? you think that would be a nice thing? Has anybody been raced? Does anybody race anybody? Just spy someone and say, that guy, I'm going to... All right. Good. I think you guys, you guys are ready to stop that. Okay. And then um, salmoning is another one. I think we could all agree not to salmon, correct? Is there a lot of salmoning in this part of the world? Yeah. Yeah. Let's not do that. Where I live, there's, you, oftentimes you have this much room to yourself. This much room to yourself. And when someone is in that going the wrong way, that, that's your little vein of survival, that sliver. And someone coming your way, that is, that is an affront to your right to live. And that is why I play chicken with them in the hope that they will swerve and die. <laughs> and I just as a little aside, I say this in the book, there's nothing wrong with thinking just absolutely, I believe you should not argue with people. You shouldn't get into these fights. You should avoid it. But thinking, you should feel free to think and ponder and meditate on just the most hateful, hateful thoughts. Hateful, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. You know, when people say, it's, it's wrong to like wish death on people. Don't think that way. It's negative. It's totally fine. You cannot wish someone dead. I can wish with my heart and soul all I want that someone's going to die. They're not going to die. So if someone cuts you off in traffic, some driver, just if, feel free. I love to do it, to just disappear into this fantasy of just the most horrible things happening to them later in the day, like getting caught in an escalator and dogs chewing off their face. It's not going to happen. It makes you feel good. And the best part is... If it does happen, if they should happen to die later, it had nothing to do with you. It's not your fault. And it's win-win. <laughs> so feel free to embrace the, the hate. So no salmoning. And then this is one. I, now, I really don't know if this happens here. Circling. Circling. Yeah. So what happens with circling, this is at an intersection, certain types of cyclists, the one who, who ride those kind of bikes, they don't believe, especially, not, that's not all the, who's guilty of it, but especially them. You don't ever put your foot down. It's not allowed. I don't know why. I don't know what the big deal is to put your foot down. There's nothing wrong with it. But in, in that culture, it's the ultimate act of supplication. It's like rolling over and exposing your soft underbelly to put your foot down. So there's different ways to deal with it. And the, the seasoned person will do the track stand, right? And then you have the people who are good at the track stand, and they look like, like the bird dog who's locked on, just to kind of... It always looks really silly. It's always the look, the thousand yard. Right, you have that. And then you have the people who are getting the hang of it, but they're not so good at it, and they're just like... Right, the skiing. And then you have... People who just can't do it, but they still won't put their foot down. So they ride and ride around in the crosswalk, around in circles. And what happens sometimes is, what happens to me often, is that they'll ride around in the crosswalk in circles, like around you. 
There, so you have someone, have you ever had this, somebody circling you? And when somebody, when one animal walks in circles around another animal, what it means is that the circling animal is going to kill and eat the other animal. And we know this, you feel this, this is in our DNA. So when you're circled, it's extremely threatening. If you were waiting for a bus and some guy just started walking circles around you, like, this person's a psychopath, I'm calling the police. So don't do it on your bike. No circling. If you can't do the thing, just put your foot down until you work it out. Go practice in your living room. Don't circle people. That's it. That's it for on-the-bike behavior. Just a few things. I'm gonna do Two things I'm going to go through real quick that I think should be taboo. Number one, pornography. As I said, lobster religion, very permissive. Look at all the pornography you want. Enjoy it. No problem. Bike porn has reached epidemic proportions. This I have a little bit of a problem with. Like with the bike, sh handmade bike show and all that stuff getting so popular and every every single website and every every cyclist thinks he or she is an amateur photographer and after these shows you go to any cycling related website and there's just gallery upon gallery of photos of bikes over and over again and people spend seven or seven hours in at work and just looking at these pictures and clicking and clicking and after a while you're not even looking at a whole bike and I love handmade bikes we all do we anyone who rides bikes likes nice bikes but gets to the point you're just looking at one tube look connecting to another tube and people commenting like oh god yeah must have and it's what it does is it dehumanizes the bike as a whole the bike ceases to be a bike you covet other bikes you neglect your own it destroys families you gotta ease up on the bike porn uh, and then the last thing is information overload I don't know if you could see this the GoPro and the SRM and the Garmin there's a thing going on right now where people seem to feel if the ride wasn't uploaded or filmed that it didn't happen the ride happened okay and furthermore nobody gives a shit about your ride gotta set yourself free from all of this stuff it's too much in the wattage tracking watts what is with watts you lost the race you lost it doesn't matter what your watts were you, if you suck you suck you want a number attached to that fine or maybe you won the race maybe you're really good same thing goes so who cares how many watts it's enough with the watts it's enough with the videos it's enough with everything strava racing people up hills you don't even know that's even worse than racing strangers on the commute so just detach yourself a little bit from that and then i think if we at least try to do all of that stuff then we could one day get there and that's that's it that's all i have to say so thank you so um at, at this juncture if anybody has any questions or anything like that i don't know you know uh questions concerns criticisms uh, anything like that uh, they like to bring to the group, please do. Yes. Revolution is the religion. If we become a religion, it, look, I'm going city to city. If every city, every cyclist became a member of a religion, we could be like the Mormon. We could have a presidential candidate. 
got to start a religion. It's our only hope. There's no money in, in for us to throw around. Nobody takes us seriously. You go to the, I went to the bike summit. You got a bunch of people standing around. You know, no, we need to, we need to be a religion. That's, that's the only way we can get anything done. The pet peeves is just, I'm, I'm tacking that on because it was my idea, so I get to say what, what, what we do. Uh, yes. I love Minneapolis. I love Minneapolis. Why do you love Minneapolis? Are you from there? You're really, but your bicycling magazine says something's number one, and that's good enough for you. Yeah, I got, I got a specialized S works to sell you after this. Okay. Um, any, any other? Uh, yes. So um, right now we're here with. Oh, hi, Eric. Uh, my name's Steve Musnicki. I'm with uh, Radical Outreach, People Empowered Incorporated. Um, and that is Rope, right? Yeah, Rope. Uh, for short, it's called uh, RopeBikes.org. Right. Right. And um, for for the listeners that are tuning in right now, or that will probably you know listen to this later, that don't know what Rope is, can you kind of give us a little insight on what this whole program is about? Sure, Eric. Um, we started the program about uh, 2009, um, and we were called Angel Bike at first. But after a while, we changed our name, Radical Outreach People Empowered Incorporated, to um, to attract uh, more of a younger crowd to what we do with bicycles. And um, basically, we take bikes uh, that are old or in your garage, and uh, people donate them to us because uh, we're a nonprofit organization. We have a 501c3. Uh, we take those bikes, uh, people donate bikes to us, um, we give them a receipt and we take them and we repair them and fix them up and give them to kids in need and we give them to uh, adults that are struggling with trying to get to work or students that uh, need transportation to go to school. Well, that sounds great. Um, it kind of sounds like, you know, so what um, Chicken Leather here does with the bike oven, but, you know, it's, instead of, you know, they, they don't give out bikes, but... It's kind of like the same thing what they do, you know, people give them bikes, um, you know, they either fix them up or, you know, use the parts to build a whole new bike. And um, so how long has this been going on? Again, it's been going on since uh, 2009, but I, I do want to say thanks to Chicken Leather because I was down at the bike oven about a year ago and I met Harv down there and he we met through the internet. And when I went down there, they were very generous to us. They gave us a pile of parts uh, that we really needed to repair some of the bikes that we keep at, at uh, our shop, you know. And uh, the shop's actually run out of my garage right now. We're looking for a space uh, for a generous donor to give us some warehouse space um, to uh, do more work for the community. Basically, what we want to do is we want to give bikes back to the community, and uh, we just take bikes that are they need a repair. Most of them come out of garages, just need air and a tire and a quick safety check, and they're ready to go and a washing. So we have volunteers that come over. We wash them. We repair them. Uh, we do a safety check on them, and then uh, we have another group of people that goes out and finds uh, families in the community that need them. And um, sometimes we even go to events. Um, some of the events we've done recently, 
Uh, one of them was uh, North Valley Caring Services that happened back in March. Um, the community was um, down by Parthenia and uh, Sepulveda there, uh, really uh, small income community. Uh, they had a, a bike-a-thon there, and it's their eighth annual bike-a-thon, so they invited us, and we set up a tent. We gave away uh, 12 bicycles at that event, and most of them were kids' bikes. Um, but, again, uh, the kids that came up and needed a bike, we would talk to them, and then we'd ask their parents, uh, would you like a, uh, would, is it okay for your son or your daughter to get a bike? And they'd look at us and say, well, what's the catch? Mm -hmm. Well, there is no catch. In, in our uh, nonprofit organization, uh, according to availability, we give out what we take in. So if uh, we have bikes available, we give them out as, as fast as we get them in. But then the kids get on the bikes and they say, um, can I ride the bike? And I'll be like, sure, it's your bike. Yeah. And they can't believe it. I mean, it's, uh, it's really something that we're, again, we're radically changing the community by giving bikes back to the community. Uh, we also do different fundraisers uh, throughout the year uh, to raise funds for new bikes. Uh, we've done a bunch of schools, elementary schools in the valley. Uh, we have one coming up in June uh, for Sunny Bray Elementary School. And um, their PTA is able to raise funds for six brand-new bicycles from Huffy. Now, when I say raise funds, uh, each bike that we get from Huffy is about $30, $35 per bike, a brand-new 20-inch bike. Um, we'll try to match that. With our organization, we'll try to raise funds to match the six. So we'll try to give them 12 or more bikes, uh, brand-new bikes. And they give them out for their, um, their student achievement awards at the end of the year in June. So... Uh, we've already um, talked to the principal there, uh, so it's it's uh, it's a really big deal, and we've done that to other schools too. We, in Thanksgiving, we gave away um, 16 bikes to Newhall Elementary School. We raised wow. funds. Um, the uh, Newhall Bike Company out in Newhall uh, they they fed about 3,000 homeless people, and we gave away 16 bikes for Newhall Elementary School, brand new bikes, and it was really cool. We gave them helmets too, because uh, that's one of the things we want to do is raise funds for helmets. It's like mm -hmm. nine bucks for a helmet, including shipping from Bell. So, yeah. yeah, that's what we do. Well, that sounds great. It sounds like you guys are doing like all sorts of good, you know, especially for for the youth around. Um, where were you guys at? Um, Ciclavia was last week. By any chance, were you guys there? No, we weren't at Ciclavia. Uh, Unfortunately, we weren't. I was on vacation last week, but next year I'd like to be more of a participating group in Ciclavia uh, to help the community out in the area that you know downtown. So uh, we'd like to raise funds to give kids bikes, brand new bikes for that event too. Um, and it's really uh, promising because as every year goes on, we grow and grow more and more. Uh, recently, we also gave bikes away to uh, some of the men at the Midnight Mission. Um, they go through a program uh, called CPR, and in that program, they get clean, they get a job, um, they're trying to get on their feet, but still, they don't have a driver's license, uh, so they're having, they have a small job. So w what we do is we ask them pr to provide a good lock, and I mean a good lock, because mm -hmm. uh, you know it is in Los Angeles, yep. but we ask them to provide a good lock, and when they do provide a good lock, we give them a good bike. We give them a really nice, uh, either you know, um, uh, mountain bike or uh, something that'll get them around town that they can put on the bus and uh, they can ride from the bus to where they work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I'm pretty sure, I don't know if someone here can correct me on that, but I think there's going to be another Ciclavia somewhere this year, right? The 15th of October. There you go. So um, oh, maybe you could... Say, say the date. Yeah. When? 15th of October. Yeah, so the 15th of October is going to be the next Ciclavia, so maybe Rope can, you know, be there and, you know, raising awareness of what you guys do. Um, 
you mentioned you know all these things about you know getting new bikes from Huffy and everything. Do you eventually see you know rope growing from you know maybe instead of not getting old and used bikes from people instead of you know growing to you know getting new bikes from you know brands like Huffy and other stuff like that? Yes, we do. Uh, our future is really uh, great. We're uh, right now we're going to be in the process of contacting. Uh, donors, uh, monetary donors, and companies that'll help us. Uh, for example, we're gonna we're gonna try to go after some of the Frito Lay and Pepsi companies, things like that. Companies that are bigger mm-hmm. that can uh, that can do more for the community. When they give back to the community, we take that uh, donation and we turn it over into the community. So uh, we already been to the um, to the Interbike um, Bike Show in Las Vegas. Uh, we went there this year was our first year so we actually we did have some really good uh, donations from them one of them was feedback sports jeff nita gave us a couple of bike stands and um, there was uh, some other companies that donated to our organization um, which is really great because we're getting to know them and the more we know them the more they'll give Um, and also some of the local bike shops in the community have been helping us um, topanga creek uh, bikes Chris, he's been a great help to us. He's given us a lot of seats from his uh, from his cruisers up there that he's been putting together, his Surly uh, mountain bikes. Um, he's been giving us some parts, and um, one of the local shops that's not clo- is not far from our shop is um, Joseph's Bikes and Books. He's been giving us a discount on bike parts because when we do need parts, we have to buy them, mm-hmm. and the parts uh, tend to be you know pretty expensive, as you guys know. Yeah. But uh, we try to get them. To, he kind of lowers the price for us, and, and we pay him for the parts, you know, chains or, or hand grips or seats or tires or whatever. But he gives us a good deal on those. Well, that sounds, like, really, really good. Uh, so the, the show in Las Vegas, that that's usually the show where, you know, um, bike companies come in, you know, show off their, their new stuff and everything. Uh, by any chance, is, you know, certainly the only company that was able to reach out to you guys uh no there was other companies that reached out to us we're we're talking to a gentleman from uh, uh park tools uh we're talking to the gentleman from a uh, gentleman i forget their names right now off the bat but uh you know the lock companies uh we're trying to get good deals on locks so the, the homeless guys downtown at the mission uh they can purchase a lock real cheap or a second lock you know some of the returns that they donate we can give to them or uh if they give us a good price you know we can get them at a cheaper rate to put them back in the community um, to the men that need them. But we've been doing a lot of different things in the community, which have been real fun, and, and fixing bikes up and, and um, or even getting new bikes. Uh, you know, there was times uh, last year we gave 100 bikes away. Uh, I'm sorry, we gave 60 bikes away for Christmas, brand-new bikes. And um, we put them together at our shop, and uh, it, was, it was amazing. And we took them out and gave them to kids, and... Uh, again, we took them out and gave them to uh, some of the schools, too, and, and we had calls from the principals. They were just like, these kids really appreciated bikes, and some of them never had a bike. Their parents couldn't afford to buy them a bike. Um, their mom was either struggling or trying to make it, and she couldn't afford to get a kid bike. And the cool thing is is we're promote, we want to promote young kids to have bikes, to do different programs in the community, uh, to ride to school, to be able to ride to school, to have that privilege to ride to school. A lot of kids don't have that privilege to ride to school. Uh, you know, maybe mom, we can get mom and the kids a bike, and, and mom could take the kids to school, which we've seen in the past, you know, and, it, and it's been, 
we've been able to promote um, that health, uh, you know, the healthiness of uh, of getting a bike and, and exercise for the kids. A lot of kids like to sit in the house and play uh, video games and stuff, and that's why we want to reach out to young people because we want them to be involved in this. Um, one program we're getting involved in in the next month is um, is a group of kids that are kind of incarcerated. They're underage kids. Um, they're at a camp. I, I'm not going to mention the camp name right now, but because um, we're we're going through the process of bringing uh, our group up there. But what we want to do is we want to take these kids that are uh, incarcerated and teach them how to repair a bike, how to fix a bike, um, what to look for, um, and to have them have hands-on training with repairing a bike and assembling bikes, brand new bikes. And then what we'll do is we'll take those kids and the bikes they've d built and we'll give those bikes to the community. So those, those young boys that are incarcerated will learn a trade and learn how to do, you know, repair a bike or assemble a bike, and they'll give them back to younger kids. Yeah. You know, and maybe that'll help them see that they're, they're a value, they're worth something. They're not just, you know, gangsters or hoodlums. I mean, they, at least they can, you know, learn a trade and, and give back to the community. And, and believe me, that feeling of giving a kid a bike that never had one before is a great feeling. And, and I hope I can pass that on to those young men and show them um, another program we got for that um, is for those men that are going to learn this trade um, we have potential companies uh, in at the show in Las Vegas that have um, sponsorship for uh, riding groups and we'd like to get them involved in the sponsorship maybe one of these companies can sponsor a riding group in, in the valley or in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and these kids could be their riders you know to promote their business which would be awesome yeah, I I mean you know giving uh, a bike to to you know kids really young is also really great because that's the chance when you know they can really get hooked on the bike, and the earlier you get them on a bike, you know the there's a better chance you know that like you say they're not gonna stay home playing video games and watching TV and live a more active lifestyle, which is always great you know because I mean you know um, weight problems here in the U.S. Are, are a big problem, especially with youngsters because of that. But I, I mean, are kids usually the ones that the you guys are handing out bikes to more, or? Um? You know, we Eric, we started with kids, and, and it's grown into students and uh, men and women that are um, that need them to get to work. Uh, the price of gas is outrageous, uh, and we want to promote uh, more of a bike uh, environment in our community. Right now, uh, you know, they they've have some bike lanes and they're empty. I don't want to see an empty bike lane. You guys don't either. I want to see that bike lane full. Right. Uh, any other country you go to, the bike lanes are full. Um, uh, Asia is just crazy. Bikes are insane yeah, over I, there. I've seen some pictures of, you know, in China where they have, um, in factories, they have, like, parking lots, but they're meant for bikes, and they're full. And, you know, it, it's so different to see that because right here we're more used to seeing, you know, cars. And, you know, over there in China people mostly rely on, on their bikes to, you know, to get from place to place because I, I, I'd assume, you know, buying a car over there is, you know, pretty expensive and, and maybe their wages aren't as great as they are here. But it's a great thing right now that you mentioned, you know, gas prices because earlier I was reading an article that said um, I think maybe in the next 20 years the prices of cars are going to maybe like double or even triple for people because of um, higher gas capacity. You know, you're going to be able to go farther on a tank of gas. And they said, you know... And they also mentioned the fact that, you know, more young people are turning to bikes for transportation and leaving their cars because of gas prices. And, um, yeah, I actually see, see this actually growing. If that, if that actually happens, you know, the prices of cars 
you know, the, the cheapest car that you can get on the market will probably be, what, like 30 grand, yeah. as opposed to right now where you can get one for like 10 grand, which is, I got no idea, but I mean, I think the cheapest car is like 10,000 something. So, I mean, yeah, you, you can actually see if we raise, you know, that bikes are a great way to, you know, I know Nick here uses his bike to get to work. I When I was in school, I used to see him, you know, with his huge backpack on his back, you know, with all his school supplies and everything. And I don't know how hard that is, you know, trying to stay balanced on a bike like that, and especially in the morning when you're not the most, you know, active, I guess. We, we have him in the studio. Let's ask him, how hard is it to balance all those books on your bike? Uh, it's, not, it's not really hard. Uh, but, but, you know, you can, you can feel it. Uh, it's the your shoulders kind of cave in a little bit after a while. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah, but I mean, go going back to 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 you know that what well, what the future might hold for you know like car drivers. I mean, do you really see more people riding bikes in the near future for instead of using a car and relying on a bike? Yeah, for transportation? I, I'm, uh, we're trying to promote that in our community in the valley. I mean, uh, when I talked to I w- I wasn't brought up here. I was brought up in uh, in New York State. But um, when, I w- when I was talking to some of my friends in the valley, they said when they were young, that's all they did is get on their bikes and get around the valley. And I want to promote that now. I, I want to I go out in the community and say, hey, here's a challenge for you guys. Take the bike and ride to the local park. Take a basketball with you or take a bike and ride it to the grocery store or a store. It might be a couple blocks away, but try it and see how you like it, you know. And you'll feel better when you get home you'll feel better because at least you did something you know you didn't sit around all day and just eat potato chips or whatever and and feel terrible you know uh but you went out and actually did some work you know and um it's great to ride around town and i i have i have a big man's beach cruiser i just built and i've been riding that i was an avid bike rider at one time but i went through a lot of stuff so i gained a lot of weight but i was an average average bike rider and i used to ride i know it's a small amount 27 miles a day which was nothing to ride to work uh Twenty-seven miles is twenty-seven miles. I don't care how you how you. you that's still quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty still much more what miles. like people ride to nowadays. I mean, I don't think Nick's commute back and forth from work is twenty-seven miles. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Chicken Leather, Nick. I appreciate that. It makes me feel better now. But right now, I have a big man's beach cruiser that I put together, and uh, you know, I got the big handlebars on it, big tires, the baloney tires, and I actually. Uh, I have a bike rack on my truck, and I take it and take it down the bike path uh, where the orange line runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great trip, just riding back and forth. It doesn't it doesn't hurt you. It gives you exercise. It promotes you. It gets you out in the street. And another thing we want to do is set up uh, a little uh, repair stand on these bike trails with air. Um, you know, we can do a quick fix or yeah. adjust a gear or something for somebody with a portable bike stand. Uh, we have a trailer equipped with, uh, you know, some aluminum feedback sports bike racks that we got. And some you know basic tools and a, and a couple hand pumps, so we can go to a location, free uh, you know free checkup or whatever. Somebody rides their bike by and they got a low tire. How many times have you guys seen that, right? Yep. So we're gonna promote that and try to you know give them a water or something, fill up their tire, and uh, it doesn't cost them a penny. You know it's not gonna cost them anything. So it's gonna promote people to get out. And uh, some people say, well, how do you do it? How how do you how are you able to do all this stuff with you know? Not paying, not yeah. nobody paying you. Uh, we rely on on donations. That's that's how we operate. All the donations we get, we put back in the community. Ninety uh, percent of our donations, either monetary or uh, bikes, we put back in the community. Uh, we're looking for people to help us repairing bikes. We're looking for people to help us 
donate bikes. We're looking for people to help us um, uh, deliver bikes. Uh, we're looking for people to help us set up these little bike stands and give air and stuff. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, ropebikes.org, there'll be a list of things on there uh, for donations that we, we would really like, you know, um, computer stuff. Uh, it, it goes The list goes on and on, you know. And um, Oh, another thing I wanted to tell you about is we hooked up with the um, – the sheriff's department in Calabasas Station, uh, Deputy Tamaya runs a program where he teaches kids um, the safety and rules of the road of bikes. Uh, little kids, you know, uh, from kindergarten up to like about fifth grade. This year we were very fortunate enough to get some donations, some good monetary donations to supply his group with bicycles for that program and a nice bike for him to uh, to ride around you know like a police cruiser bike cuz they mm. actually charge they actually the sheriff's department actually charges the sheriff's department to repair bikes and i'm like that's insane man why don't we repair your bikes for free you know right. we can do that and uh, we'll you know we could team up with you and this year we're going to team up with them too so we're really growing in the community and we're really excited um, to to be part of the community and to promote healthy bike riding and to promote young kids riding to school and that's what we want to do. We want to promote all this, and we want to we want to grow bike riding more and more every day. Yeah, the those um you know service stations that you mentioned on the bike paths, I think are like it's a hell of an idea because I'm pretty sure everybody that's ridden a bike somewhere has had you know that experience where they've you know had a flat tire and no spare tube or no pump or you know something wrong with their gears or you know where they had to you know go back home and take a bus because their bike was no longer you know they weren't able to use it because of some mechanical. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. Some people who, you know, don't ride frequently, I'm pretty sure, you know, they're not aware of the benefits of, you know, riding a bike. One of the greatest is, you know, you get to experience, you know, your surroundings, your neighborhood, your city much better than you would riding a car, you know, um, and it's such a pleasurable feeling, you know, going out on a bike and, you know, whether it's riding in the city, going on the bike trail. And there's so many great places, you know. I mean, I, I've never really left Los Angeles while riding a bike. But, I mean, I don't know in the valley how many great places there are to ride there. But, you know, I, I'm pretty sure everywhere has their own, like, or everybody has their place, their place, you know, to go ride. And where they think, you know, this is the best place to ride. Whether it's, you know, going up a hill or just, you know, riding around the city at night with the city lights gleaming down on them. That's, you know, it's truly something. And it's much better than riding a car at times. Yeah, it really is. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's, it's uh, Eric, it's a great feeling just to get out in the, and do something, especially when the, you know, if it's too hot, I understand that. When the sun goes down and you're out riding, it, it just feels good. It, it just gives you more energy to go and uh, to go experience new places and go see new things. You know, if you go to the store or something, bring a lock, lock your bike up. It's real simple, mm -hmm. you know. And, um it promotes good promotes good exercise and, and and not only in our mind but our bodies too to get out and see see the town which is really neat yeah uh, yeah you know i think people you know uh, on their first ride you know when, when they first ride a bike which i think you know it's great that you guys um hand out bikes to kids at such a young age it's great that they get to experience this at such a young age because like i said you know the earlier they they get into it you know the more likely they're willing to you know keep that going at a later age Right, right. I, I, I got a question here, Chicken Leather. Here. Um, I've, I've been listening to this, and I, I see all the work you do in the community. Are you? Uh, what, what's your greatest hurdle out there? Uh, is it financial? Uh, we heard you comment that you uh, you're working without a brick and mortar, uh, but there's there's actually I was I was amazed that this is not a singular thing. There, a, a lot of bike uh, co-ops start 
with with little trailers that they trail around to events, and and a lot of them even bring all their repair equipment on on bikes, and they they sort of store it in their father's garage or, or what have you and stuff. So I'm I'm kind of wondering, can can you give us an idea? Of what's the hardest thing? Is it is it space? Is it uh, is it funds? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, chicken leather. It's, it's kind of all the above. Our biggest our biggest hurdle is funds. So the funds we get, we actually put back into the bikes and repairing or purchasing new bikes. And and my next question is: Be are, are you going to be planning a fundraiser in the future? <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're working up to that level right now uh, to do some of the fundraisers or, or uh, what do they call them the uh, the ones where you buy the raffle tickets. Yeah, um, we can do that, but you have to have a date for the event and kind of an event thing to go on. So we're we're going to work on that um, in the near future. We just we just got a new bunch of new volunteers to help us do different things uh, to uh, promote that. One of the volunteers just redid our website, which is a really cool website. I'm just very thankful for him. Oh, oh, and and with that being said, because we're an internet thing and people are on their computer already, give us give us the website if you can, and we'll hopefully have a link. Go ahead. Oh, oh sweet. Uh, yeah, thanks, Chicken Leather. It's ropebikes.org. R O P E bikes b i k e s dot org. All one word. And uh, that's our new domain name. We just got that recently. But, yeah, our hurdles, some of the hurdles were uh, financial, and we're looking for space uh, to have a, a bigger warehouse to store more bikes. Um, we have about 100 bikes stored right now that we're repairing and giving back out. Um, and also parts. If you want to donate bikes or parts, I mean, go to ropebikes.org, call uh, the number there or go online and uh, send us a message to angelbicycle at yahoo.com it'll be on ropebikes.org to contact us and uh, we'll come out and pick up the parts, we'll come out and pick up the bikes uh, no problem, we'll schedule a date we'll come and, and we'll pick them up, thanks well there you go and there's all the information you need if you have any old bikes in your garage or anything that you might not need, even if it's just parts you know, the, these people I'm sure could use them um, the website again is www.bike no, no. Uh, ropebikes.org? Yes, ropebikes.org. R-O-P-E-B-I-K-E-S dot O-R-G. There you go. And they do pickup, which is also great. So, you know, you can stay home and have them pick it up for you. Yeah, if you got a bike laying around the garage or in your house or at your neighbor's house, give us a call. We'll schedule an appointment and come pick them up. Thank you. And it's for a great cause. And we're going to wrap this up. And... Um, Yeah, and go to a song.
Okay, here, um, and now in the studio we we got a uh, John Reed Torres, who was another one of Nick's students here, to um, talk about ways in which bicycles could provide energy, right? Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little something about that. Well, hello. Um, in um, Latin America, I forgot the specific country. I think it's Brazil. Okay, we'll go with Brazil for right now. Yeah, Brazil. <laughs> They're having. Um, a program over there worldwide where they recycle bicycles here from the American um, United States and take them there and they make household uses for them which is like efficient because they don't use electricity or any fossil fuels to fulfill what they need like they take the husks off of corn with them or they use them as blenders huh. or they use them to generate electricity for other things or they wash clothes with them or drill holes through pieces of wood <laughs> all kinds just of things yeah, just and old is that bicycles. like what all with pedaling or, or how yeah, does it's work? all like manual power. 
that's that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, I read about this um, cafe somewhere here in the in the U.S. It's a it's a coffee shop, and I, and I guess the seats are arranged, I guess like in a unicycle or something with a bike. And when you're sitting down there, you know you're, you're pedaling, and the pedal power that's provided by you know the people that go there is part of what provides the energy for the for that coffee shop. Wow. So you know the lights, you know the the power that comes to you know you brew your coffee or the blenders. I guess you can say some of it is coming from like the people you know pedaling on the bikes. Wow, that's amazing. It is. It's like you get a workout and you get your coffee and it's green all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, well, I mean, what else is going on with with this whole bike energy thing? Well, that's sort of what's going on over there, like. They're not dependent on the electric companies. I'm sure, like it's a very um, a lot of high poverty rates over there. So, it's it helps out with everything because it's cheap, um, a cheap way to get a job done. Yeah. Without having to pay a bill every month. Yeah, and if it's if it's in Brazil, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, after all, they are the guys that use sugarcane as you know fuel for their cars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I mean. Anything that will make it easier for them would help out, especially like if you don't have to pay a bill. Yeah, and especially in these like you know low in these poverty-stricken countries that you know where they have these really like poor slums where people you know where they still rely on you know fire for you know warmth or or anything. You know, you you see a lot of these people you know dependent on bikes to you know where they ride you know several miles to get you know from where they live to the city. And it's great that they're using, you know, their mode of transportation to also provide electricity for their homes for, you know, warmth um, or whatever it may be. Yeah, that's true. There's a call, there's a call coming in. Just a moment. Hello? Who is this? This is Kelly Letting from Jefferson High School. Okay, so we got Kelly from Jefferson High School. Ask her about her fare. Oh, um, can you talk to us a little bit about your fair next week? Absolutely. Uh, next Saturday from 2 o'clock at Jefferson High School, we're having the Jefferson Family Community Fair, where we bring together the different schools in the area to celebrate all the great work that our students and community uh, does together. We'll have um, our bands from Jefferson will be playing, the band from Carver, the band from the new middle school, Nava, will be playing. There will be booths um, from 9 to 10. We're having a 3K fun run uh, starting at Jefferson High School and running through the new middle school, uh, Nava, which is right at the corner of Compton and Adams. Uh, there's going to be a basketball tournament. Uh, parents will be demonstrating healthy cooking, and there will be dance classes happening and then we also have a tree people in generation earth and one of our small learning communities will be hosting an eco booth showing um, how to recycle um, different natives and foods that can be planted in the garden we'll um, definitely be promoting cycling too uh, we have two we have a low rider bike and an electric bike and we're going to let people take a spin up to the garden which is at the north end of campus so we're going to create kind of a little Path for folks to put on a helmet. We'll practice bike safety and um, just kind of get some excitement for riding the bike, also as an alternative form of transportation and just a fun way to get around the city. So, um, if you're if anybody's in South LA or knows an alumni who 
wants to come and see teachers um, from Jefferson High School or their middle schools. We also have Wadsworth Elementary will be there. That school is actually turning 100 years old in the fall. So a lot of good stuff happening in the neighborhood, but they're all welcome at Jefferson High School. The address is 1319 East 41st Street, the corner of uh, Compton and 41st in historic South L.A., and that's next Saturday, April 28th from 9 a.m. is the fun run, and then the booths go from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. You guys are at Carver, right? Are you, what, uh, what school are you guys from? Or from Santee or Carver, or where'd you go? Yeah, we're, we're from Santee. Okay, great. So anybody from Santee is also welcome. There'll be food, tacos, free food, and food to buy. So we'd love to have yeah, any of your Yeah, a bunch of Santee students there from um, Carver and some of those other schools that you mentioned. Um, talk to us more about that, that electric bike you mentioned. Who's providing that? Uh, we uh, we bought one for our auto shop teacher. Um, he's not just teaching cars. He's also teaching some sustainability um, practices, and he's shown the kids how to put together the electric bike and charge that. Um, so we actually own it as part of the schools. And then we have the lowrider bike that we've had part of the after-school club. It's a it's a trike, mm-hmm. so that's that's easy for kids to ride if, if they're little. You don't have to balance. It's pretty yeah. easy to ride a tricycle. <laughs> so, well, what is that? Is that like a, a little club where people just ride those types of bikes? or? Well, we had it. It's kind of gone off and on as we've had different students who have been interested in putting together kind of custom bikes. Um, so... Yes, a few years ago, some students put together the lowrider bike, so it's kind of with that genre. Now everybody's into 60s, so I know some of the students have uh, also worked on their own 60s. And that's over in the auto shop, so it's nice to have an actual shop on campus that has tools, Mm -hmm. and and he's seeing how he can diversify what he's doing. Yeah, well, I know here um, Nick one day talked to me about having something like that in um, in Santee. I'm not sure if he still has that... um, I'm not sure if he still has that, uh, you know, um, vision to have one. He's not in Santee no more, but I mean, in the school he's in, I'm not sure if he still wants to, you know, have something like that where where you can, you know, set up shop at, in a school and sort of make it a, like an after-school program and, you know, show kids, you know, how to fix bikes um, and all that good stuff. What happened? I got no idea. Hello? You hear it? Hello? Okay, oh, there welcome other people from the community if they'd like to use the shop we're more than willing to um to work out arrangements where you know if you don't have it at santee we're not too far from you guys it's still in the neighborhood where um it could be used after school okay um well thank you and once again that's going to be in jefferson yeah jefferson high school next saturday 9 a.m to 2 p.m hey uh, is it uh, oh, we got some. I, I actually have a question. Um, hi, I'm Chicken Leather. I'm with the with the show. Well, you know the Expo line is supposed to open next week. How far are you guys from the Expo line, or one of the the Metro line kind of colored lines? Oh yeah, we're right off the blue line. Uh, the the stop at Vernon is really close, and Washington isn't too far either. We're kind of right between the Vernon and Washington stop. So this sounds like a day excursion we could do with the new expo opening. We could always so hit your school for this whole extravaganza. Tell us again the time. Uh, 
9 a.m. is when the fun run starts, and we end at 2 o'clock. So, yeah, you can do a, you know, ride on through the campus and, and then keep moving on to the blue line. That'd be great. All right, that sounds awesome right there. So um, thank you very much for calling and for, you know, putting that information out there. And hope you guys have a great turnout. Thank you, and keep up the good work on your end. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Okay. What was her name again? That was Kelly, buddy. Oh, that was Kelly from um, Jefferson who's telling us about that. Um, fair that they're having next Saturday. I hope you guys got all that information down just in case you guys are wanting to go to that. And like Chicken Leather said, you know, after that, you guys could do that whole new um, metro route thing after, which could be great. So what are you looking at? I bought a new bike next. So I'll interview each other. Okay, so we're still here with um, John, John Reed Torres, who we kind of got a little interrupted right there by him. Um, by that phone call so um keep talking to us about whatever it is <laughs> well i'm just looking up right here and it says there's a new um 2.2 mile path along here. 7th street in la oh, okay from catalina avenue in koreatown to figueroa street and they they seem this they seem to be telling the story in a negative light like they're saying it's is not um, right that they took a lane from um, automobiles and gave them to bicycles when there's a lot of traffic in L.A. <laughs> that, well, that seems kind of ridiculous. Well, that's L.A. for you. I mean, motorists aren't really too keen to, you know, bike riders. I know, but you, we have so many of them. They, they, like, it's about time they had some change because I remember back in June, I was going down Broadway near King Boulevard, and I was struck by a car because there was no bike lane. There was Everything was congested. And I had a concussion and everything, so I mean, these lanes help prevent hazards like that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, a friend of mine, I think like two weeks ago, I'm not sure if he was riding home from school, but he he got hit by a car. It was it was nothing bad. He just said he he felt a little sore from it from his side, and he said, you know, all throughout that week, it wasn't his week for riding a bike. I remember on the Friday before that, um, I was riding out with him. And he almost got hit by a car, and, like, he didn't get hit, you know, it was just, like, when they, when you brake really hard on a car, and like that, and then he said he fell off his bike right in the street, and then when he got hit by that car there, he said, like, you know what, this is it, I'm not, I'm not riding no more, you know, he said he was too scared to, to ride a bike now, so, um, I don't know if it's just, you know, something that, that was in the moment, or, um, if he's actually, you know, gonna pick up the bike and start riding again, but, you know, it really did seem like when he got hit by a car, like, it was, you know, the last straw for him. So, um, I, uh, chicken leather here again. I, I'm curious to find out uh, exactly. Tell us, tell us what was going through your mind after you were hit. What did, what did you do? Did you kind of do it like Jim Brown, and you kind of like swaggered up and you caught up <laughs> slow, or, or were you up there going, "Oh, who hit me?" Or, I mean, if you have a concussion, were you were you not cold or what? Well, I was out for just a few. Here. I was out for like a few seconds uh -huh. and then I got up and everything was like dazed like there was a metro bus there and everybody was looking at Did me Did the guy stop? Yeah, he stopped uh -huh. and um he actually drove me home and that's um, generous. <laughs> oh, that's that that's a real different thing. Usually. Yeah, but he didn't leave no information or anything. Oh. <laughs> so he dropped you off without identifying himself. Yeah, but luckily I saw in the back of his his van it said his company. Oh. Where he worked, so they caught up with him, and then like they a said, little CSI work there. Huh? Yeah, because I mean, um, 
I had a concussion and everything. Like I, I couldn't ride my bike for like a month. I was on crutches. Like they took me to the ER and everything. Wow, <laughs> it was well, pretty and, crazy. And I don't mean to make light of your your injuries or something, but uh, what happened to your bike? Well, um, the whole front end of it was like ruined. I had to replace the fork and the front rim and everything. But uh, they, the guy I hope paid for all this stuff, your medical bills and everything else, right? His company. Well, they're still figuring that out. Oh. <laughs> Oh. The, with the with the insurance companies and all that. Yeah, you, you know, insurance company aside, did you you got some care? It looks like you got yeah. some medical care, and and but you were laid up a month. Now, how did you get around in that month? Well, I just took the bus. So you took public transportation around. Yeah. Instead of your bicycle. Yeah, but then after about a month, I got back on my bike. Like I was still paranoid though. Uh-huh. Funny thing is, I still don't wear a helmet. <laughs> uh, I I would often. I think everybody here is kind of nodding here. Maybe maybe the helmet might be a good accessory. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, per, perhaps you could find something. What, what what's the problem with the helmet? Is it the the they, size they or well, people making fun of you? I mean, what, what, I need what, a large helmet. You need a large helmet. Okay, so they make large helmets. <laughs> and they is look it, they. It's, there you go. Okay, can we return to this call? Because I mean, to this, to this subject, because we got somebody on the line. Oh, we, oh, we have somebody on the line, so right, we're going to we get back a, to this. Here on the line, we got JJ Hoffman from River Ride. the LA River Ride. Um, Are you on? I'm here. Okay, great. Um, so, yeah, JJ Hoffman from the LA River Ride. Uh, tell us a little something about that. Uh, well, the LA River Ride is um, brought up to you by the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition. It's our largest event of the year. It's our biggest fundraiser of the year. And um, what we do is we all start at the Autry National Center and all the different rides. There's six different rides to choose from. They all go down the LA River Bikeway and back. And in 2008, thanks to some help from the county, we were able to offer the ride free for kids 12 and under, and um, we provide a, a little safety rodeo for the youngest riders, so even riders as young as two can enjoy uh, a short ride and safety rodeo around uh, the Autry Center. And we've also been able to give away bikes to kids ever since 2008. We've been um, working with our sponsors and our various donors um, to give hundreds of bikes kids who normally would probably never be able to get a bike. Um, a lot of these kids are in, um, well, they're, they're in foster care situations or they're, you know, living under pretty severe poverty conditions, so having a bicycle is certainly not something that, uh, that they could have ever dreamed to get. And um, in this way, we're trying to increase um, the fun and enjoyment that we all understand of riding a bicycle, and uh, hopefully these kids will grow up to be um, cyclists who choose to uh, ride their bike other than, rather than driving a car. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that actually sounds like something maybe Rope can get involved in. Um, I don't know if you, if you heard that little interview we had with one of their people right now who says they, you know, they've given lots of bikes to, you know, kids who kids and families who can themselves afford a bike so um i don't know if you've heard that but maybe you can go on their website or, or give them a call and maybe they can you know provide some bikes for their kids that would be fantastic yeah um usually we work depending on the um the the district that the 
um, the county supervisor that helps us out to do that. Sometimes the kids will come from a very specific part of the county, and it changes from year to year. Um, so it kind of depends on, on that, but um, we do have a couple of different districts that we're working with, so there's much more opportunity, and I would certainly um, love to be able to, to work with those kids and families. Now, um, it's along the, the, the bike path down in the LA River. How long exactly is that? Well, um, there's about 50 miles of bike path, but we combine that with, um, you know, because the river path is not all complete yet, we have to detour. And depending on um, which part, which ride you want to choose, we'll take cyclists all the way down to Seal Beach and back. That's 100 miles. And um, then you could do 70 miles, which is to Long Beach, and turn around and come back. And you could do 50 miles, which is Bills Park, City of Paramount, and back. 36 is the City of Maywood, and back. And you could do a 15-mile ride, which is all perfect for families. And we really stress. We call it the family ride. And we'd love to, you know, we because, you know, whether or not you you have a, it doesn't matter, that, you know, your income does not matter, all kids, 12 and under, ride for free. So it's a great, um, a 15 mile ride is perfect for, you know, the whole family to go on. And because it's all on the river path, it goes from the Autry Center to the bottom of Elysian Valley and back on nothing but river path. And it's a, that's a really beautiful part of the river. You can see all these fantastic um, birds, you know, ducks and geese and it smells fantastic. Um, there's a lot of different uh, parks that have cropped up all along the river path, even down in um, cities like Bills Park, uh, or Paramount has Bills Park, which is just a fantastic little park that has been um, recently redone with all these uh, recycled materials and solar power. And um, it, the grass itself and even the, the what they use on the cement is a natural filter, so it's cleaning the rainwater that flows into the river. Wow, that's incredible. And then uh, goes into the sea. Yeah, now, now this whole thing is um, actually kind of sounding familiar. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, some of the people I think that uh, that complete the 100 mile, or I think any participant that completes anything, um, is that the thing where you get like that um, a shirt or a cycling jersey with a stork on it or some kind of bird? Yeah. Heron on a bike, and you can see those great herons on the river. Yeah. You really don't see them any other part. Uh, you know, you see them in the marina as well. And uh, um, at Bayona Creek, at Bayona Creek, they, they mostly have big but the only way you really can see these birds and enjoy their majesty, I mean, they're enormous and, and have these beautiful long thin legs and um, just enormous wings, and they're just it's something to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've ridden down the the bike path a, a few times, and, and you know, it's so peaceful right there, and it's um, it's so great that you don't have to worry about you know cars riding past you all the time. It's you know, it's usually just other people, whether it be joggers or people on bikes. Um, I, how, how you know how full is that bike path when, whenever you guys do this ride? Well, we stagger the start time, so we try to let the riders spread out. But we do get about 2,000 cyclists going down that, that river path on that day. On any given day, it's 
extraordinarily light. It kind of depends on the part of the path that you're on. Um, it's more crowded, I think, towards up by Griffith Park and close to Long Beach. But you can certainly have a really peaceful, wonderful time, just you and a friend, or even just yourself, yeah. taking that river path. And it's amazing because it goes right through the heart of Los Angeles, you know, this bustling, bustling city with these freeways that have all this, you know, tons and tons of cars on them, and you're riding right beside them, and yet you're, it's so it's really peaceful. Uh, you you mentioned you know um, I think getting out of the bike path for for some of the, for some of the rides are some of the, these street closed for 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 the riders. We do not close the street. However, we do have a lot of safety monitors out there uh, riding with you, and we have ride marshals that ride with you, and um, we have support vehicles that are keeping an eye out for you. And if you have a mechanical problem with your bicycle, we can fix it and get you back going. If it's something that can't be fixed right then and there, we can drive you back to the start. And what about, you know, food and drinks for those that are doing the 100-mile ride? Oh, yeah, there's uh, pit stops all along the way. There's five pit stops in total. And uh, you can stop, get a drink, get a little snack, and um, use the bathroom, and then get back on your way. You guys were, um, when last time I, I looked into the website, you guys were um, partners with Cliff. Is that still going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cliff is one of our sponsors. Specialized is one of our sponsors. Um, after the ride, everybody comes back, and uh, we have a raffle and give away a bunch of great things. We have live music. We've got um, great food, and New Belgium is one of our sponsors. We've got their uh, New Belgium beers for those who are old enough. <laughs> uh, and t-shirts and everybody gets a goodie bag um it's a lot of fun we're going to raffle off a, um, a bicycle we've also got a fundraiser that goes along with it you can fundraise while you um as you get ready for the ride and uh, we have prizes for the high fundraisers too this year we're going to give away a trip to italy there you Wow, that for just one person or? Just one person, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all going to Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bike tour. That's yeah, amazing. and everybody, let's keep in mind, like, well, when is the trip? The trip, we have to actually, we, we have to finalize that. It has to, um, I've still got to work out some of those details. I'm still working on the, the event even as we speak. Yeah, well, whoever gets that and if, you know, you decide to take your bike there. Italy's always a great place to, to ride, and they have some fabulous roads there. And, you know, um, the cycling culture there is just, like, phenomenal. Yeah, it's a bike um, trip to Tuscany. So it actually is um, it's, it's designed to do with your bicycle. Yeah. Well, I know Nick here said he wanted to take a, a trip to Hawaii, so... I'm not sure how Italy stacks up to to Hawaii, uh -huh. so he might want to, you know, take part in that too. Yes, fantastic. Yes. JJ, uh, yeah. JJ, chicken leather again. Um, you know, we're, we're hearing about all this thing. It's a fundraiser. What do the funds go to when they're not going to a river ride? Oh, the funds that we raise, they help keep us going. Um, they help that you know, the, thanks to the river ride. Um, and the success of it and the way that it's grown. Our staff has been able to grow, which means that we're able to focus on the planning and policies. We've been able to get more um, 
bike lane stripe recently. Um, we've worked on a bike master plan. Uh, one of our, one of my colleagues, the planning and policy director, she's been making great strides with um, the council members and the mayor, um, getting more cyclist rights. For instance, um, Bill Rosendahl, recently uh, we got the cyclist rights bill passed, which means that it's an anti-harassment bill. And um, that means that if you have been harassed by a motorist to the point where you know, maybe you've fallen. Usually there's nothing a, a cyclist could have done about that. And um, with this new law, you are, if you have all their information, you actually are able to sue them. And um, a lawyer can take your case because there's a certain minimum that has to be minimum damages. And lawyers would say, okay, with those minimums, yes, I'll take your case and we'll go fight this. Wow. So you guys are almost like a lobbyist group with, with all of the city council here. Well, we're not technically not a lobbyist group, but we advocate and we help these things. You know, we get our, our members to um, write letters and, uh, and support things. And we, we show up to council meetings, and yes, we do. We stand in front of council and we, you know, we tell them what we, how we feel about things. And, and the more members that we have, the louder voice that we have, and then they will listen. Now, now uh, there, there's a cost uh, kind of associated with this uh, day-long day ride, isn't there? Yes, there is. Um, uh, members get lower prices than um, non-members. The, the rides, the, they vary in cost. The highest price is $65 for the 170 miles. But, but you get something for that, right? Yes. Um, yeah, you get T-shirts, you get um, your goodie bag, you get all the food and the support. And um, you also get a little medal. <laughs> oh, that's that's nice. What what if I'm like, you know, like uh, okay, I'm gonna play the devil's advocate here. It's like public uh, radio and television. I, I don't ever have like the two hundred dollars to get the CD, the DVD, and everything. Do you have something along those lines? It's like the bare minimum kind of oh yeah base price. We do. We have um, if you volunteer for the to help the put the right together. You get a free ticket. Sounds great. So yeah, volunteer. Um, remember when you helped build those bikes for us? Oh, oh yeah. You were you were volunteering, and you uh, could have had a free ticket. I don't know if you went ahead and, and took advantage of that, but uh, that, that's what the kids are calling it nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> I'm volunteering. But yeah, yeah, that that's always a great uh, kind of initial way for people that, like myself, aren't aren't. Uh, are economically challenged, but you can still join in in the uh, socialization of the bicycle. Absolutely, and you get everything as a volunteer. When you come and help, you know, for instance, we got to get goodie bag stuff. We have to get, um, you know, a lot of the the logistics, the fruit, and everything picked up and taken places. That's all the pre-production stuff. You you work pre-production and you volunteer, then boom, day of the ride, you're just there enjoying like everybody else. Well, that that should you know get get more people to you know go out there you know without worrying how to pay, without worrying about paying you know the the entrance fee. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, this is JJ Hotman from the LA River Ride, and once again, tell everybody when this will be. It's June tenth. June tenth. Mm -hmm. All day, right? Yeah, um, all day. The di if you go to our website la-bike.org, you can see what times the different rides start. 
and then you should show up. You know, you should pre-register, and then you, it, it's much faster to get through the lines and get your wristband, and you can get your wristband or RHI. But, uh, yeah, and if you want to volunteer, you should contact Martine at martine at la-bike.org, and that's spelled M-A-R-T-I-N. Okay. So um, there you have it. J.J. Hoffman, once again, thank you for calling. Well, thank you so much. I'm um, always so pleased to talk to you guys. Thank you for right. what you do. Okay. Okay. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. So there was the L.A. River Ride on June 10th, which is said to be, you know, all day. Sounds like a great thing. You really want to say you got balls, go out and do the 100-mile ride and see how you feel after that. They call those century rides. I don't know if anybody here's done it, but nope. I did a 50-mile. 50-mile. How'd you feel after that? Fine. Yeah? Okay, so may I, you think you could do double that? Sure. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't sound so hard then. And plus you got, you know, that the support there, so you're constantly getting, you know, your fluids and your food in there. So you won't... you stop for lunch? There you go. No, that's not fair. You got to do it nonstop. And there's also a trip to Italy in it, so, you know, there's that. So whether you do the 100 mile, the 50 mile, and I think the other one was 35... It's sure to be a, a, a great day. June 10th, everybody. June 10th. So we can go to song or we can keep talking with you guys. Sweet. Speaking of Italy, you're, you're our race guy. Uh, isn't the Giro supposed to be starting up soon? The Giro is two weeks away. Uh, yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, um, another great race in Italy, the Giro del Trentino, finished, which is um, something which the, the, the guys that are going to be aiming to win the Giro d'Italia use as prep. Uh huh. It's like one of those one day classics, right? No, it's a it's a four day stage race, and which made oh. which made it great this time was it was aside from the first day, which was a team time trial, it was all just mountainous, like mountain, mountain, mountain. Three stages of pure climbing, which also had the Punta Veleno, which is such a you know ferocious climb. It's always great when you see you know cyclists you know struggling and like you know going you know back and forth on their bikes. And just like you know, really struggling, the look of pain on their face and everything—it's always great to see that. I mean, of course, because you're on TV uh, well, and you're you not. You have a different idea of, of fun here. <laughs> and yeah, um, yes. but I mean, it always makes for great writing. And um, pain. you know, um, yeah, the the Giro d'Italia is coming up. You know, Ivan Basso is gonna return to try and make a run for his can, third. Can he? I, I thought he was drugged out. Is there? Isn't there like the drug clause? It well, says, he he was back after a doping suspension oh, okay, in 2009. Okay. So, so I mean, it's okay. he's very well received by the public now. Um, uh-huh. And he, especially in Italy, and um, in 2010, he won his um, second Giro crown. So now he's trying to come back and make it three. It after reminds me of Lindsay Lohan. It's like, Everybody didn't like her when she was doing drugs, and then she got clean and went to the morgue and stuff and everything. And I mean, is there any kind of similar thing for cyclists? Exactly. Today? And I was getting to that. Well, um, what kind of public? Uh, go ahead. Go it ahead. really depends. You know, some riders, you know, um, dope. And I mean, you serve a two-year suspension from from doing that, and when you come back, um, either you're you're forgiven or you're you're um, you know, what is it? What's the word? Scolded by by your by you know your fellow riders. Um, Ricardo Rico, who came back, I think, last year 
from a doping suspension from I think the 2008 Tour de France. And, and what was great is he was leading that for like about the first week and a half. Yeah, and the thing is, Ricardo Rico was such a he great was like cyclist. Twenty or and, something. And he, like yeah, that. and he was young, and he was so great at what he did. And he came back with um, Vaconsolet, and then I think in February during um, the Mallorca Challenge, he had to be taken to the hospital because of like um, I think he was passing out. And then when when he was in the hospital, he admitted to you know giving himself a, a blood transfusion. Uh-huh. So now ever since last year in February, they've been you know battling that case. You know what should we do with him? He signed with a Croatian team. But um, earlier this week, it said, you know, we're giving him a 12-year ban because, you know, he's doped 12 times. I mean, I mean, he's, he doped twice and was found guilty of it. And um, he admitted to his doctor that, that he gave himself that blood transfusion. And um, another doping case was um, two weeks ago. The Russian Denis Galimzianov also was caught doping. And what was refreshing about him was he actually admitted to it. You know, he didn't deny it. Um, you know, when you get caught doping, you, they take an A sample from you, and you have the right to um, ask for a B sample to see if that one comes out positive or not. He's like, you know what? Don't take the B sample. I did it. I dope. Um, I am, I'm accepting responsibility for it. Nobody from the staff had anything to do. None of my um, teammates knew anything about it. It was me, me, me. So, um, well, well, I, I, I've opened up a can of worms here. Dope, doping aside, it's coming up in a, in a week or two, right? The Giro? Yeah, the two uh, weeks. Yeah, in two weeks. Two weeks. And um, so, I don't know, maybe we'll, <laughs> they're going to find a, a doper from from that tour, or, or maybe not. It's always nice to find one that, that hasn't, you know, when you go through those three weeks. Yeah. So, the the uh, uh, cycling world aside, it's not all about drugs and dope and stuff, even though it seems like it. Maybe we, we should do just a show on, on drugs and Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people now are saying, you know, cycling's getting cleaner, especially with the with the younger guys coming in. You know, um, and with teams like, you know, Garmin Barracuda and Team Sky, which, you know, um, advocate clean cycling, you know, which shows you can win the Tour de France, you can win races like Paris-Roubaix, some of the hardest races on the calendar without being on dope. Well, well historically, there's there's always been the idea of guys juicing, and they used to call it juice when they would do Yeah, and I mean, and even, in, even in the days of and, Eddie Merckx, you know, yeah, in the 70s, it was okay to dope. There was also the, the mad rush, which was also where they get to a little place, there was no support crew, and you get to a, a, a little village in the middle of nowhere and literally... You'd run in there for like thirty seconds and just stuff your pockets with everything from alcohol to, to food to anything carb load, and then you go out and just sort of pass it around to people that were going up a hill. Yeah, that's how it was. I mean, nowadays yeah. you have your own caravans with you know spare yeah. bikes, spare tubes, mechanics, and everything. Radios. Back then you had to carry all that stuff with you. I mean, if you see iPods, if you see pictures of you know early days of bike racing, you'll see guys with wheels on their backs. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. I'm there. There's a great story of um. Of the Tour de France, I can't remember the year nor the guy who did it, but a guy was leading the the Tour de France a long time ago, and um, something happened with his bike. I think it was his fork that got broken, and so what he had to do is he had to walk, you know, way out of. He had to get out of his way to go find a blacksmith to you know weld his fork back together. I, I like this already, and, and put his bike together. And well, maybe that's him calling on the phone. We're he ended up out. finishing, but he lost so much time yeah, that day. See, and, it's the idea that he finished the race. Yeah, and it just goes to show how far cycling has come since then.
Oh yeah, <clears throat> right now I'm all right. How, how long did it take you to get to, to that stage where you felt okay? <sighs> like all the way okay, like a month and a half, two months. Yeah, hold on. Say that again. Like a month and a half or two months because like I had like some leg trouble too and everything. I was on crutches and uh, uh-huh. I actually broke the windshield wiper with my face. Wow. <laughs> so. uh, that's that's pretty bad. Now, yeah. uh, you know, I'm gonna be the first one to say. In that situation, painkillers and drugs are a good thing. Yeah. And we're not talking about, like, oh, I'm doing this for performance, but you, you're doing this on a daily basis. Did you find yourself any, you know, people get addicted to these things. Did you find yourself sort of leaning off to this and just, like, mm. better and getting more sleep? Which yeah. Which is something people never do when they get hurt. Yeah, I got a lot of sleep, um, but... Um I didn't like get addicted to nothing. I actually tried to do the natural way. I didn't take the medicine the doctors gave me. Oh, that's really good. What what kind of natural things were you were you doing? Just like eating vegetables, sleeping a lot, um, lots of water and things. Yeah, that's that's a good good way to look at that. Like it gave me like ibuprofen and all those other type of things. Yeah, but I didn't take them. No, no. Yeah, ibuprofen after a while just gets you sick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here, here's an option that, that Eric's going into. For starving college students. Really but you can always, if you don't use your you know, medications, you can always sell them. I, I got some, like, allergy pills that I never use. Actually, I, I've been dealing with allergies here. But, uh, okay, now that we've opened this all up, I want to remind you guys about what happened in the few minutes that are left. Um, this, this week, I don't know if you heard about it, was the 19th of April. Do you know what happened on the 19th of April? No. Okay. Everybody's saying no. The 19th April is the famous, and it, and it coincides with the 420 ride. It's the famous bike ride day. Apparently, that's the day that Albert Hoffman, I don't know if you know who Albert Hoffman was, he's the chemist that apparently created oh, LSD. LSD. Yeah. But the thing is, creating LSD was nothing. What happened was he didn't know what it did, and he sort of <laughs> happenstanced on this. And, and life would have gone on. You can't, uh, uh, you know. OD on LSD, contrary to popular belief. But he didn't know the dosage, he didn't know anything. And what happened was... That doesn't, he, you know, get people to go and try no, LSD. don't do this. Don't do this. We're not advocating you do this. But apparently, after he did the LSD, he felt, well, nothing's happening. I'm going home. I'm taking a bike ride. And apparently, yes, we can imagine what that bike ride was like. Because there was fuzzy, round edges, apparently, he described by the end of it. So, uh, with that being in mind, you're saying, wh- where are you leading with this? There, there have been massive 420 rides to coincide, with, apparently, with the time that people imbibe themselves. Uh, I know that the mom riders were part of that. Um, there's been a couple groups to Los Angeles and stuff. And I, I'm wondering, and this is something we're going to examine in the future shows, about drug use and driving your bike. We don't advocate that, but there's some people that do it either for pain um, for other things, they look at it like a holistic way to address this as opposed to alcohol and other things. Uh, I'm looking at it as a safety issue. I, I really feel that sometimes you shouldn't be riding your bike when you're so blasted or, or intoxicated or something like that. I'm wondering how you guys feel about that. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, it, it's the same thing as, you know, driving a car while intoxicated. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, and you're on the street with these, like, mad motorists that don't like to see bikes on their street so um i mean you know that that incident that i think that happened last year and i think by um or was it by the observatory like a bunch of people got ran over yeah actually it was uh 
out by Culver City. Yeah. Talking about the woman, and, and they were really trying to make it up that yeah, that they were the bike riders were drugs or anything. But I think it was just the opposite. The bike riders had actually stopped and were drinking water. Yeah. The woman that hit them was texting, and they found evidence of her not doing any drinking, but she had. Uh, they were trying to say that there was some illegal substance in the car and stuff. So we could see that things that we wouldn't consider drugs. Like texting, if yeah. you do it like a habit, yeah, that's just might impair you more than if it was a real drug or something. Yeah, yeah that's true. No, I okay. Mean, and now I'm being like a dad. You guys should <laughs> tell me about your idea. How do you how do you feel about this? Well, I mean, if you're riding your bike and you're just a little intoxicated, it might not make that big of a difference. But how, how do you know about drinking? You're, uh, you're a student. <laughs> but if you're like completely like wasted or something, and you're on your bike, you might be in like your own little world, and you might not like acknowledge you're surrounded by like big two-ton cars zooming past you. So it's not like like yeah. Santa Angelo's where, where you can get on your bike and it's a video game. And you can <laughs> no, <laughs> you get one life. That's it. All right, so. that's a, that's a good one. You get one life. And I'm going to bring this back to the question we asked you earlier. What kind of helmet would make you feel safer? A lighter helmet? Uh, you said you, you got uh, a big head. Yeah. <laughs> but at least they don't call you fathead like they used to call me in, in grammar school. I mean, those weird aerodynamic helmets, I don't like them. Well, you don't have to get a weird, weird aerodynamic one. I actually, for the longest time, used to use this one that said uh, uh, it was my old skateboard helmet. And yeah, I like those. I, I felt better in it. It looked cooler, and I, I noticed yeah. a lot of the, uh, what, what is those uh, that they call, um, they call them uh, neck neck baskets or head baskets, uh, the ones that they decorate now. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more like skateboard helmets from my, from yeah. the 80s and 90s. Because they look like those army helmets, yeah, like turtle shells. Yeah, a lot of them, and, and you're seeing ones that look like little Darth Vader or yeah. German, German uh, war occupation helmets, but they're all getting lighter. I've been using a carbon fiber one. Maybe that's what we have to get wow. something. Carbon fiber. You know, I mean, yeah, you're hearing carbon fiber in a helmet. Dude, it's light, but it still pro provides some sort of uh, uh, safety in there. So oh, really? That's, that's pretty sweet. to get you in a helmet, I think. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you had one accident. Don't you look back like, wow, I got away lucky. I got to get a helmet now? Yeah, I was kind of like paranoid, but uh, well, what, I don't know. What made you paranoid about that? Without the helmet? Well, uh, what? Tell us like, about the paranoia. Well, like, I was, like, right after the accident, when I got back on the bike, I was, like, super scared, super cautious, because I was, like, I didn't want to, like, get hit again. But um, I still didn't want to get a helmet because it was, like, bulky. It's an extra thing to carry, an extra item to worry about. When you lock the bike, you got to take it with you wherever you go, like a like a backpack or something. So I just thought it was, like, an inconvenience. But I guess if it saves my life, I'll eventually get one. John, this is uh, Steve again with uh, RopeBikes.org. Hey, Steve. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call our friends Erica over at POC Sports in uh, New Hampshire and see if they can generously provide you with an extra large helmet. They have some, <laughs> some nice helmets, like uh, Chicken Leather was talking about, like a like a head head basket type of helmet. So I'm gonna call them this week and uh, I can't promise you anything, but we'll try to get you hooked up with a helmet. Eric, All right, that's you awesome. Know, that you sounds need one good. Too? What size is your head, Eric? You got a smaller head. <laughs> What size are you? Large, maybe? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure like a small, smallish helmet. Okay. I'll, I'll see what I can do for you young gentlemen here. I'll Two ends of the spectrum. Donation, uh, for them guys to make a donation to you guys, okay? Yeah, I'm pretty sure all of us have gotten that, you know, that wake, wake up call where we're like, okay, you know what? I need to start wearing a helmet. I know I've got it mine, so. And I'm still not wearing one, but <laughs> I try to be more cautious now. You know, if, 
perspective, you know, writing on the street is not, you know, necessary or if I find it too congested, you know, is writing on the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll put in a call to Erica this week and uh, see what she can do for you guys. She's been generous to us in the past and donated some really nice uh, helmets to us, and they're they're really nice helmets. Oh, so. wow, she sounds like a nice lady. Yeah, they're very very generous to us. Thanks. Oh, nice. So, um, well, we've, we've reached a point here where uh, I'm I'm going to actually call shenanigans and tell you about what what happened last week, but it's actually for this week. Uh, last week, I, I had the opportunity to go down to uh, South Central, similar to how, uh, uh, what, what was her name? Um, Jesus, now, boy, we're going to shoot ourselves. Well, from Jefferson. Yeah, from Jefferson. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly from Jefferson was telling us about um, what they're doing next week. This week is actually Earth Day, or Earth Day coming up on Saturday. And, and one of the things that I did last week was, because everybody keeps missing it at Normandy Elementary. They had Earth Week last week at, at Earth Day. And what we're going to do now is go to some recorded program information. I got to meet with a couple of different people at Earth Day. And one of them was uh, uh, Thomas from the uh, Real Riders. They also came out for the Ciclavia thing. And we're going to hear a little bit of recorded information in, in, in the last uh, couple minutes of the show. It's been uh, Bike Talk Today here on uh, Kill Radio and KPFK and the podcast with... John Ritores. John Ritores and uh, Steve Musnicki, RopeBikes.org. And of course, Eric Jones, who was our host. And I'm, I'm Chicken Leather and Nick's in the room. Let's see if we can't play a little bit of last week at the Earth Day kind of thing. We're getting to a point where we've jumped over into the thing. Here we go. We got Here's Thomas from The Real Riders. Okay, there's the mics. Um, you know, we're, we're going to try and get this to play in the last two or three minutes. Hey, what are you doing special for Earth Day, Eric? I've never really acknowledged Earth Day. Um, I think it was only yesterday when I found out it, that it was actually it was actually coming up. Well, certain stuff, but we're seeing you guys. You're like doing it old school. I love that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're also here to talk about um, the Ciclavia event coming up on tomorrow. Um, we're all excited about that. We're supposed to meet the mayor in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think it's over at uh, the uh, Union Station. Yeah, Pueblo, right Pueblo. across. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So uh, we're going to Alvera uh, Street. Alvera Street, correct. So we're going to hang out and um, 
just enjoy the people. Let them enjoy our bicycles. We love this. Absolutely. We've, we've seen an insurgence of kids and stuff. And as I do that, I'm going to zoom over to the kids over here on their bikes. It seems like a lot of them, yeah, don't worry about that. It's just a be. A lot of them are, are coming out now and getting into the fixed gear kind of culture and stuff. But we're seeing you guys. You're like doing it old school. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it. Double hinge and stuff. But let's be honest, any bike is really a cool bike as long as you're riding, right? Absolutely. You know, um, taking care of your health is our main focus. And we ride these bicycles not just for the show of the bicycle, but we ride them for our per own personal health. I am a um, stroke victim. Um, 2010, I had a heart attack. And because of my bicycle, um, I believe that my life Get out of here. is healthier Get and more safer. Um, I'm really loving um, what I'm doing in life today because of my bicycle. Uh, you're not just a member, you're a client. I'm like not just say. a member, I'm a client. <laughs> right, right. But, no, let's be honest, man. You, get, you, you guys came out. It's like I, I've been doing this for I don't know how many years. And it's really great to see one of the local bike clubs. I saw you, the last time I saw you was at the last seat for the, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you came up and you were there. Uh, I think we even threw you a mic there because Stephen Box was doing that whole thing with bike side Absolutely. on this side. And it was yeah, like, it was really great that. to see you guys. I, I especially love some of these bikes. You've got some of them and it's, and it looks like you were like, I don't know if you remember, but there used to be mods and rockers. Uh -huh. You've got like so many mirrors on here. You're gonna drive all my mod friends crazy. <laughs> These are all, they're all nice. And it's like, you guys all got sound systems and stuff. Yeah, and we actually, um, everyone personally customized their own bicycles. And we go and get um, parts handmade by a local guy um, in Compton. So you're, you're not only riding, but you're also kind of stimulate, simulating the local economy. Here. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we're making sure that, you know, I haven't had a car for, for two years, and it's been it's been the, one of the best things I've ever dealt with. Better not say that too loud. Uh, two years now, car free? You know, two years car free, and I really don't want to go back. Uh, I, I, I actually have to do it because of my job that I have. But Yeah, yeah, I, but, I but actually I have a car too. But yeah, but I, I would rather, every time. Yeah, I, I would, sign that insurance or, or you know, get a ticket or something. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, you gas, gas in itself, you know, yeah. petroleum, you know. Um, the petroleum that we carry is with them on the inside of us by taking better care of our bodies, eating better, um, not um, putting bad things into us, and making sure that we stay focused on what um, a healthy lifestyle is. And, and we're talking about that today with all the kids out here. They're giving away some free helmets and things, but more important, it's like if you start kids out probably won't get into a state where you will you know have to watch your 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 weight or anything too it's like a it's like a preventative kind of thing we never we never think of programs being preventative but earth day is a preventative thing if you look at earth day as every day 
you're going to keep this Earth Day around for a long time. Absolutely. You know, um, if we use the natural resources that we have here on Earth to um, take care of our livelihood, um, that's what it's here for. It's for us to use the natural things in life and um, exercising, community gardens, um, doctors, all those things. <laughs> all the things are put here for us so that we can use them in a better way. So um, this 10 this ten mile bicycle ride is just a niche and a start for us to come together, all races, well, not just but, one race, but okay, all that's, races. That's the sequel, man. That's what they tell you, but let's be honest. It's great to get out there and you can talk to your friends. It's so quiet. You can not you get rid of all that traffic. And it's like, man, you can have a conversation. I don't know about you, but you get to meet all the girls on the ride. Absolutely. But uh, that's just one of the rides that's going on. There's another ride you guys are going to be doing uh, or, uh, on the 1st of yeah, July. July 1st. July 1st, we're actually hosting a bicycle ride for childhood obesity. And it's going to go from Exposition Park to El Segundo. El Segundo over the Figueroa, Figueroa back to Manchester, back over to Vermont, where we're going to have a host of artists on that day. Old school artists. Um, we're going to have uh, Watts Community Village group there. They're going to perform. We're also going to have King T, old school King T. He's doing a celebration, 25-year celebration on that wow. day. Wow. Yeah. So we're bringing the community together again to get out into the streets so that we can support more bicycle lanes. We can support health and uh, safety Absolutely. right here now, in our community. Now, just in the last five minutes since we got here, you got to look at this. They're all locked up against the fence. we got to get some more bike uh, parking here, you know, maybe some bike racks for the Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so that's uh, Thomas from the the Real Riders. We're going to try and get them in. They were at a couple events last week, and we're going to recap some of it later on today. Uh, but this is uh, Bike Talk here on Kill Radio and KPFK in the podcast. Go ahead, Eric. Take us out. So, okay, well, Nick is telling me that this was Youth on Bikes, which is what he's calling in today's show. Um, uh, what else do we do? say? Thank I mean, you very much for listening. Uh, <laughs> and wait, we we you had Steve from uh, we Rope? had Steve from um, Rope Bikes. We had JJ Hoffman from the LA River Ride, and what was it? Kelly from Jefferson High School on that Jefferson fair next High. week, and um, we had John Reed Torres yeah, as well. Yours truly. So um, <laughs> that was today's show, and. We're signing out.